0: Before Sean does his intro, I wanted to make sure that you knew that on June 7th, 2023, at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, the Institute for Local Self-Reliance is once again teaming up with the National Digital Inclusion Alliance for a Building for Digital Equity live stream. It's going to be great. You should check it out at buildingfordigitalequity.com. Thank you.
1: Hey, this is the Building for Digital Equity podcast where we talk to people working to expand internet access, address affordability, teach digital skills, or distribute affordable devices. We talk with those working on the front lines of giving everyone, everywhere, the opportunity to participate fully in the digital world. Whether in rural areas or cities, our guests here are doing the often unglamorous jobs in places that have been left behind. This show comes to you from the Community Broadband Networks team at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance where we have long produced the Community Broadband Bits podcast and the Connect This show. Building for Digital Equity features short interviews from Emma Gauthier, Christopher Mitchell, and me, Sean Gonzales, talking to people at the events we are attending to highlight the interesting work and inspirational stories to get internet access to everyone. Now, let's see who we have today.
0: I'm here with Innie Augustine, founder of Project Nandy. Welcome.
2: Thank you for having me, Chris.
0: Nandi. Okay, I always, I'm always, i always confused. Nandi or Namdi, but it's Nandi, and now you can tell me why. Nandi. Nandi. I can remember that.
2: Yes, it's named after Queen Nandi, who is the uh, mother of Shaka Zulu, okay. um, one of the best and most famous um, kings of the Zulu in South Africa. And uh, she was a historical single mother who fought for her child's education, who became the greatest king of the Zulus. So just like she fought for her son, we're fighting for our kids' education.
0: And where are you fighting for your kids' education?
2: Twin Cities, Minneapolis.
0: And let's just step back for a second then. I think you have a history of doing a lot of interesting projects. What were you doing around the time that this project got kicked off? Oh
2: gosh, oh my gosh. It's like so painful but also funny to think about because I was working on a project in California. Um, I was doing, solar-powered GPS systems, which is like just my bag, right? And I just knew 2020 was going to be my year. I'm living the fast life in California, making more money than ever. And like, I was like, it's finally happening
0: for me. This is it. I've not had that moment.
2: (laughs) Um, And that was not what happened because COVID broke out and I was in quarantine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know... um, my daughter was just grieving a lot with the loss of her friends and her teachers and her education, which is having a really tough time with online school.
0: Because she was isolated from Yeah, them. Yep. yeah. Yep. And
2: so I thought that it just occurred to me, like, if she's this devastated, how much more painful could this be for other kids out there that maybe don't have their own laptop, don't have high-speed internet, don't have a supportive family? Um, and so I felt just as a mother, I had to do something.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so Project Nandi is what I did.
0: And then... What was that?
2: <laughs> um, I started delivering out. I called them tech care packages um, because what happened was I got a small grant um, from the Coalition of Asian American Leaders, and I was going to distribute out, you know, some old laptops that I had refurbished. And then George Floyd happened, and I realized, hey lives are about to be in danger you mm-hmm. know people are not able to call for help people are not able to stay connected to community support networks and i started delivering out tech care packages um, with food and a laptop um, and helping people get access to internet in north and south minneapolis
0: so these things are kind of just as you were getting going with project nandy the universe was like we got something else sure! for you too <laughs> yes yeah so You have a technology background, though, yeah. so you weren't intimidated by that. Yeah, I'm a network
2: engineer. And -hmm. you're an
0: entrepreneur. Yes. So the first thing I want to ask you is actually just this question of, I feel like one of the biggest issues in this space, I think people are afraid to do things. Yeah. How are you not afraid to do things?
2: Well, I don't know. I just feel like the worst that could happen is I die, and then it's all over, so I have nothing to worry about.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah. There is a the phrase that I love and sometimes bring up, which is that when there is, no, when there is uh, no hope left, there is nothing left to worry about. Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. OK, so
0: so you approached uh, business leaders to say, give me some money. We're going to do some great things to get people technology that they need.
2: No, no. I approached my community and they came through for me. Project Nandi was built off of mutual aid. Mm-hmm. um which is basically normal people coming together and saying hey this is something I believe in I'm gonna donate five bucks ten bucks 20 bucks whatever to make this thing happen mm-hmm. And people from specifically Minnesota just like had my back so much they donated money they donated time they volunteered and then it turned out that people from all over America started donating mm-hmm. so we were able to raise forty thousand dollars for our first you know kind of big push to kind of distribute these laptops and resources out. Um, And it's just funny because (laughs) when I did it, I was like, okay, well, this is great, but I'm not going to be doing it for long. You know, the National Guard is going to come through and they're going to bring medicine and Mm -hmm. food and laptops. And they came, but they brought no resources.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And, and I mean, still, so let me, let me jump ahead to ask you a question, which is if tomorrow they shut down the schools in Minneapolis and St. Paul, Do you think most kids would be in a different situation than they were?
2: No. No, because um, the schools have completely backslid um, to the point where they've taken back a lot of the laptops that they gave to kids. Uh, In a lot of schools, they won't let the kids take the laptops home for the weekend. So if there's an emergency, like, do you remember when we had um, the trial for Chauvin and Mm -hmm. they just suddenly closed the schools down because they're like, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like, so in those types of situations, the kids had no laptops because Mm -hmm. everything was at the school. Right. Yeah, so no, they're you know, they're in the same situation. Um, you know, our governments and our, our education system has not learned, and they've backslid.
0: Do you think that that is a sign? This is a this is an unplanned conversation. Like The way this is the way I am because yeah. I'm terrible at planning. Um, so so you just you know we'll see how this goes. But I was like, do you feel like the schools are the right place to be trying to uh, solve these issues? Because I feel like the schools stepped up in the ways that schools often do. Yeah. But I also feel like it isn't, this isn't what they do. It's not like fair to put this on them necessarily.
2: Well, see, this is the thing is that, I mean, as a mother, I understand, I feel very strongly that it's all of our responsibility, our children are our responsibility, Mm -hmm. meaning us as a community. That includes schools, Mm -hmm. that includes, you know, other parents, that includes people on the street, just making sure that your kid doesn't run into into traffic or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so... I understand that they've been underfunded, specifically Minnesota has been terribly, terribly underfunded.
0: I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania. There's places that are worse than Minnesota, <laughs> but, but I, I take your point. Well, I mean, yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. for
2: kids of color, I mean, mm. the vast majority of Black children in Minnesota, uh, when they graduate from high school with their, you know, degree, uh, do not do math or reading at age level.
0: Right, and that's worth. I think it's really worth noting. What you're saying is you're reflecting an experience I think, which is may strike people. Minnesota has some of the higher-funded schools. Yes. But we are one of the highest racial disparity states yes where we have across the board really good results but the gap between white and black in minnesota Mm -hmm. is one of the largest of all the states
2: one of the largest and when you look at you know our indigenous brothers and sisters it's even worse Mm -hmm. um and so you know when you say it's worse in pennsylvania for people of color i just doubt that Mm
0: -hmm. No, and that's and that's is where I think it's worth people knowing this stuff is complicated and there's different layers to it. So so where is the solution then? And that's that's the important part I think that you're bringing forward, which is like I feel like you started working on one level of mutual aid. Mm -hmm. And now you have a different thing going with mutual aid to try and develop more education and more opportunities in the community.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that I mean, we're all out here trying to do what we can do to support people. Um, and I feel like if we just did ourselves to the best of our abilities and you know, tried our best to help each other in the ways that we can, we'd be successful.
0: So what is, uh, what is happening with the Family Broadband Council?
2: It's the Family Broadband Coalition. Ah, I'm going
0: to get there. FBC (laughs) Coalition.
2: Family Broadband Coalition. And um, it's kind of an outgrowth of the Black Broadband Summit, which we held in November of last year. And what we are doing is working on creating a black-led, cooperatively-owned internet service uh, to help close the digital divide and stop the digital redlining that's happening in in the Twin
0: Cities. And how is that like, uh, what are the first steps that we're taking that you're taking in this direction? I mean, just so people are aware, like we're, we're really enthusiastic about trying to help out a bit. Cause we're in the yes. twin cities too.
2: You're one of our supporters. <laughs> so,
0: so, but, but what, what are the first steps?
2: Well, really, what right now what we're doing is building our coalition and strengthening our relationships. Um, what I found from extensive studies of cooperatives is that the vast majority of them fail, and it's not even due to economics, it's due to, you know, personal conflict. So, building our relationships and trust with each other as well as building the, the level of digital skills mm-hmm. that um, our families have. Um, we're trying to make the transition from people who have been helped to people who are now helping mm-hmm. because I just believe that I'll, everyone has something to contribute, right? And if you're always the one receiving or you're the o- one always giving that creates an imbalance of power, right? It does. And so, you know, my goal is to come in and help people, you know, become who they need to be, who they want to be, um, not necessarily save them. I think they can save themselves if, if allowed to.
0: Yes, and especially if they're able to develop that confidence yeah. that, that they do have something to contribute. Yeah. When you say most co-ops fail in your studies, is that all co-ops that have been formed, or is that telecom co-ops, or...?
2: Um, I did a fellowship called the um, North Star Black Cooperative Fellowship, and we did, we read several books about cooperatives. Um, The vast majority of them were no longer around Mm -hmm. um, from the time of um, the end of slavery to, you know, recent times. And again, the vast majority of them failed.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Now, when you say failed, does that mean that they actually did not succeed what they were trying to do or just that they ceased to exist?
2: They ceased to exist. Okay. Yeah, like their mission wasn't accomplished. They were like, yay, let's go home. It's, you know, they disbanded because they ran out of money or Mm -hmm. personal conflict, you know, kind of destroyed their ability to be cohesive. Mm -hmm. Those were, and again, that was the main thing, the the trend that I just saw overall with all the co-ops.
0: And so what we're hoping is that... As people are building more of that trust with each other Mm -hmm. and we move forward, Mm -hmm. we'll be able to avoid that fate or at least push it down the line a little bit.
2: Yeah, long (laughs) enough, long enough to close the digital divide for our babies. If Mm -hmm. we can hold on and (laughs) do that one thing, I'll be satisfied.
0: Is there a sign that you're getting from the community that this is likely to work?
2: Well, yeah, at the Black Broadband Summit, 30 people came and I was just like blown away because... I mean i just never thought that there would be that much support for you know black cooperative economics for black people in technology for black children mm-hmm. you know um and you know the city just really came through so and people have been following up like we have a petition for um community-owned internet that people have been signing on you know at the black broadband website it's uh blackbroadbandsummit.com there will be more yeah there'll be more
0: i hope one will be had when i'm in town <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do another Black Broadband Summit um, as part of Global Entrepreneurship Week um, in November of 2023
0: too. So, excellent. So um, that's where people can go to to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how will we know next year? If you look, look look ahead to February of next year, mm-hmm. how we know that we're making a difference?
2: Well by that time our our first cohort with the family broadband coalition will be engaged in the work of building the co-op they'll have completed their training will have com- completed visiting the various uh, co-ops that we want to visit to learn from um and we'll be doing the work so if we are i mean i'm hoping that we'll be far along but you mm-hmm. know i know that that may not happen but if we're still engaged and connected in the work i consider that a success
0: yeah that's a good standard Anything else we should talk about while we're here? Um,
2: well, those are really the main things. I mean, a part of the Family Broadband Coalition is um, creating our apprenticeship program because we want the families that participate to be like the first employees of the co-op. And so um, I have an apprenticeship program specifically for people of color in um, technology, specifically broadband, teaching them how to become network engineers and how to actually build this network that we dream of. Um, And so I think that is kind of um, it's something I haven't talked about a lot, but I feel like it's integral to what we're trying to do. Excellent. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, it's been wonderful uh, getting you on this new show that we're doing and I'm looking forward to seeing you around over the next two days here at Net Inclusion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Here at Net Inclusion and moving forward.
1: We thank you for listening. You can find a bunch of our other podcasts at ilsr.org/podcasts. Since this is a new show, I'd like to ask a favor. Please give us a rating wherever you found it, especially at Apple Podcasts. Share it with friends. You can even embed episodes on your own site. Please let us know what you think by writing us at podcast@communitynets.org. Finally, We'd like to thank josephmckay.com for the song On The Verge.